So I hope y'all uh, stay with me a, a while. I'm, I'm going to try not to stay too long. I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually um, took, made notes, and I'm going to try to stick to my outline because y'all know I can start talking, and I'll be here for a while. So we're going to try to be respectful of the time this morning, respectful of the day, because I know that Faith Temple is a family church. And the sooner as we get out of here, the longer the time you have to spend with your family. Amen. But if you will indulge me, I have to sing one of my favorite songs. And it says, you deserve the glory and the honor. So, Lord, I lift my hands and worship you. I give you all the praise, because you deserve the glory and the honor. So, Lord, I lift my hands and worship you. I give you all the praise, for you are great, and you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You are great. And you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. So you deserve the glory and the honor. So, Lord, I lift my hands and I worship you. I give you all the praise because you deserve the glory and the honor. So, Lord, I lift my hands and worship you. I give you all the praise, for you are great, and you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You deserve the glory. Come on, y'all know this song. And the honor, you're talking to the Lord God. So, Lord, I lift my hands and worship you. I give you all the praise. Tell them, say, you deserve the glory and the honor. So, Lord, I lift my hands and worship you. I give you all the praise, for you are great. And you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Thank you, Lord. There is no one else like you. You are great. And you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Thank you, Lord God. There is no one else like you. Come on and put your hands together for the Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. Who has done awesome things. Hallelujah. And he continues to do awesome things. Hallelujah. Because he is an awesome God. Hallelujah. And an awesome God does awesome things. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord God, and an awesome God. Hallelujah. Deserves awesome praise. Hallelujah. So I want you to give God the best praise you have right now. Hallelujah. It doesn't have to be as loud as mine. Hallelujah. It doesn't have to be strong as mine. Hallelujah. But it has to be the best that you have. Hallelujah. Because we serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. And he doesn't hold back on us. Hallelujah. He does great and marvelous things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I am a living testimony. Hallelujah. Of the awesomeness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. You are a living testimony. Hallelujah. Of the awesomeness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And I hope you see yourself that way. Hallelujah. I hope you see yourself exactly as God sees you. Hallelujah. Whether you're thin or fat or short or tall. Hallelujah. God made us all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Perfect design. Hallelujah. From a perfect mind. Hallelujah. And I hope you see yourself that way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. So, Father God, we come to you this morning on one accord. Hallelujah. With one thing in mind. Hallelujah. And that is to give you the glory that you are so deserving of. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning. Hallelujah. With gifts of mercy and grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. For life, health, and strength. Hallelujah. For the will and the ability to lift our hands to you. Hallelujah. And lift our voices to you, God. Hallelujah. For a life that is clean and filled with your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So that we may please you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. And Father, we come before your throne boldly. But only because you said we could. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. And we lay every petition, hallelujah. We lay every need, God, hallelujah, at your feet, God. And we trust you with them, God, because you are a trustworthy God, hallelujah. Father, we lay every concern at the altar, God, and everything that brings us anxiety, God, we lay it at the altar, God, so that we can open up our ears to hear you, God. Thank you, Lord God. We remove every concern, God. And we cast it to you, God, because we have come to hear your word, God. And so, Father, we ask you to open up our ears and give us ears to hear what you are saying to the church this morning. Hallelujah. We ask you to give us a mind to understand what you are going to say to us this morning, God. Hallelujah. We ask you to give us a heart to receive what you have for us in your word this morning, God. And when we leave this place, God. We ask for the courage and the strength to apply what you have said to us this morning, God, so that we can join you in your ministry of reconciliation, God, so that when people look at us, God, they will be moved to repentance, God. They will be so jealous about what you are doing in our lives, God. And when we are given the opportunity to testify, God, we will take no glory, God, in the name of Jesus. We will point them to you, God, because you deserve the glory. You died for the glory. You suffered for the glory, God. And so we take none of your glory, God, in the name of Jesus. We give it back to you freely, God, in the name of Jesus. And it is in your precious son, Jesus' name, the matchless name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you. Amen. Come on and give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Brother Jerry, because it's a little warm in here to me. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I'm going to give him what I got. Thank you, Lord God. And I hope you came to receive what the Lord is saying this morning. And I believe that God uh, told me to talk to you about the beauty of balance. Amen. The beauty is in the balance. Amen. And when we get through with this uh, lesson, because it's not going to be, it's not going to do any good 
if I just give you the knowledge because I'm pretty certain that I'm not going to say anything all that new and earth-shattering this morning. Because I was thinking about this. It was like, you know, Faith Temple gets good word. What else can I go in there and say this morning? Amen? What else is it that you need for me to say? What is it that you don't know? But the wisdom is in the application. Amen? And so some of us come in here in and out, in and out. I listen every Sunday, and we receive the word, and we walk away without ever applying. But in this world, this ungodly world, it takes a brave soul to apply what the, world, what the word is saying. Amen? So I pray that you are brave souls this morning. So again, the title of this sermon is The Beauty is in the Balance. And I am going to need some readers this morning, so I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to cooperate with me and find some scripture. Um, Brother Steve, you have another mic. And when the mic comes to you, read the scripture for me. Okay? So the first scripture I'm going to give to Pastor Murdis Brown. And I, I would like for you to find Ecclesiastic 3. And this 3. And this is a familiar verse of scripture. Amen. Ecclesiastics, the third chapter. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. And I think it's probably verses 1 through maybe 6 or something like that. You'll know when to stop uh, reading. To verse 8, Sister Nita, to verse 8, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. Sister Brittany, can you get Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 16? Sister April, can you get Proverbs 17 and 22? Um, Sister Anita, can you get Romans 13 and 8? Sister Leona? Can you get Proverbs 22 and 7? Sister Mary, can you get Deuteronomy 28 and 12? Brother Nosa, can you get Third John, verse 2? Who else? Um, Sister Lisa, can you get Luke, verse 52? And Sister Linda, can you get Matthews 5, 1 through 12? and 52, 22 and 7, 7 and 16. Anybody else need their verses? <laughs> mm -hmm. I test y'all listening skills this morning. All right. First uh, reader, Pastor, Pastor Murdis Brown. Turn, turn the mic on. I'm reading from the King James translation of the word. Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, verses 1 through 8. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to love, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, 
and a time of peace. Amen, amen. How many of y'all heard the word? Because I know y'all was listening challenged a little a bit, bit ago, but it's important that you hear the word of God, amen? So I have a question for you. In the, in the reading in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, who heard that there was an exclusion to anything? The word of God says, there is what? For everything. Everything is what the word says. There's a time for it. But because we don't understand timing, because we don't understand that everything has timing, because we don't understand that everything has purpose, we find ourselves living in extremes. But extreme is not in the word of God. The principle of extreme is not in the word of God. And so some of us that are financially disciplined, we find ourselves always trying to save everything. But the word of God says there's a time to save and there's a time to give away. There's a time to eat. Some of us that's too fat, we don't understand that sometimes you got to stop eating. It's a time to eat and it's a time to fast. Amen. Amen. For everything under the sun. Balance. There's a time. But because we don't understand time, we are turning industries. And I'm talking about me. When I say we, I'm talking about me because I don't want to step on your toes. I want you to evaluate your own self. I want you to take your own notes. I want you to say, am, am I balanced? Is my family balanced? This you, this self-evaluation. I'm talking about myself. We have turned industries into multi-billion dollar industries because we don't understand balance, right? So we overeat in November and December. Then we won the Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig in the gym in January and February. I know it ain't just me because I ain't got multi-billions of dollars, but I know that industry exists because we don't understand when it's time to stop eating. It's just that simple. And then you're poor because you don't need to be paying Jenny Craig anything. You just need to stop eating sometime. You don't need to go to the gym. You just need to say, I've already slept eight hours. Let me get up and go outside and walk for 30 minutes. But because we don't do that, we spend January and February breaking ourselves apart in the gym, and then March and April, we're at the doctor trying to repair what we tore up in January and February because we live in extreme. But the word of God is coming this morning to tell you that the beauty is in the balance. If you don't ever learn balance, you're never going to have a beautiful, fulfilled, settled life that God intended you to have. Your weight is going to be up sometimes and down sometimes and letting people convince you that you're depressed and you're downtrodden and you're sick because you won't do right. The Bible talks moderation. And I struggled over whether I should touch this topic. And it still hadn't settled in my mind, so I'm going to go on. When in doubt, I'm going to leave it out because <laughs> I don't want to offend nobody. But in the balance, the beauty is in the balance. Um, Sister Brittany, can you read Ecclesiastes 7 and 16? Ecclesiastes 7 and 16. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? 
Now I know some of y'all, if y'all were raised like me in the Church of God in Christ, y'all might get offended right here. But it's time for freedom. This scripture said, don't be over-religious. That's what it said. Don't be over-religious. You know how you over-religious? Y'all ever heard that saying, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good? When people come to you and they say, I'm hurting. I lost my mother. And your response is, everything in God's timing. God don't make no mistakes. You're being overly religious. It's time for you to be human at that point. Whatever loss you have experienced, you need to dig deep and say, I know what it feels like to lose. And if you lost your mother, you ought to have, you certainly ought to have some healing balm to give somebody if you've lost your mother. When people are hurting, it is inappropriate to quote scripture. That's overly religious. It's time then for you to live what you have eaten out of scripture. It's time then for you to hug, for you to say some comforting words, for you to cook a meal. For you to lay next to him, for you to hold a hand, it's time then for you to love, not to quote scripture. And it said, don't be overly wise. Don't be overly wise. You don't always have to tell people everything you know. It's inappropriate to start quoting facts when people start telling you about their deepest inner hurtings. And they need something from you. And all you have is Aesop's fables to give back. Or all you have are scriptures to quote back. Because you need to read and digest the word in your off time. Because when people need to come feed off of you, you need to have something to give. But because we are unbalanced, because we don't practice application, We don't know what to do when people come to us. So the only thing we can do is be overly religious. You're you're overly religious if you take scripture and apply it in ways that it was never meant to be applied. You're overly religious if you make people feel bad about things that were never in the scripture because you didn't read the scripture, you didn't understand the scripture, so you just made up stuff. And now you have people walking around don't even know whether or not Jesus loves them because you made up stuff. You're over religion. I'm going to tell you about me. I'm talking about me. I found myself at 21 pregnant and didn't want to be. Didn't have a job. Didn't know how I was going to take care of them. And I'm going to tell you, I got in my car. Drove down to the abortion clinic. Because I didn't know what to do. Right? And when I got there, the overly religious amongst us was standing there with God hates you, signs. He hates abortion. The overly religious amongst us. For those of you who don't know, the last thing a single 21-year-old unemployed pregnant woman needs to hear is that God hates you too. Because let me tell you something, she hates herself enough. And so the overly religious amongst us saying God don't like you either, that's a lie. That's a lie. And because somebody told me he loves you too, my daughter finna turn 30 in a couple days. So I'm never going to tell anybody God hates you too. I'm going to tell them in the darkest hour. If you just wake up another day, I ain't going to even promise you it's going to be easy. But I'm going to promise you it'll be worth it. If you just wake up another day, that's what I'm going to tell you. Just take it one day at a time. And then you'll find yourself 30 years down the road 
Your daughter is a blessing. Your daughter got her own business. You got several degrees. I tell them that. Oh, yeah, you're a statistic. You're an overcomer because she wasn't supposed to be where you are. That's what I tell them. But you're over-religious when somebody is hurting and lost. And your answer is God hates homosexuals. You're over-religious. I'm just telling you now. And the word of God said, don't be. She read it in your hearing. I didn't make it up. And then I'm going to encourage you to be like the Bereans. To go home and study it even further. And see if God ever tells you that it's okay for you to tell somebody that he hates them. He's, you're never going to find it from cover to cover because that's not who he is. But when you don't have the answer, when all you have done is read scripture and didn't understand how to apply it to a dying world, that's all you have. And I'm telling you today, God is not pleased with an unbalanced life. Amen? Now, I want y'all to take notes because I want y'all to go home. Because if I stand here and talk to y'all and y'all don't go home and change your life, I wasted my time and yours. The word of God is a mirror. And because I know me and I know I am of the human species, I know you have something to work on. I ain't even got to ask you. Don't want to ask you. Don't want to know your business. I want you to go home and look at your own self and ask your own self, am I in balance? Does my life look balanced? To have a balanced life, you have to consider five areas. Your spiritual life, your physical health, your emotional health, your relational health, and your financial health. Five areas, your spiritual health, health, your physical health, your emotional health, your relational health, and your financial health health. Now, let me tell you what we have a tendency to do. We have a tendency to make stronger those areas that are already strong. Because that's easy for us. We feel good about ourselves when we get stronger in one area. Human nature. And what we tend to do is to ignore those things that really need our attention. But when you do that, that's like knowing that you have a flat tire on your car and then going and overinflating one of the other tires that's just fine. How far are you going to get down the road? It's the same thing with your life. How many of you all, and it may be somebody, I don't know, I really would like for you to raise your hand, would know that you have a flat tire Make your way to the air and put the air in the tire that is not flat. How many of y'all would do that? <laughs> but when AAA get there, <laughs> if they overinflate the tire that's good and ignore the one that's bad, you know what y'all going to do? Call AAA customer service. You're going to complain that they sent an incompetent a driver out to help you, but then you handle your life the same way. You handle your life the same way. Some of y'all know that you've been serving the Lord God a long time, and you know that you're strong in the word, and you still sit up every day, overinflating that tire, and you know you broke and in debt, and you won't do anything to stop spending on credit cards and start saving money and investing money, but you will read your scripture every day. Memorize the same scripture over and over and over again, and your financial health is unbalanced. It's an unbalanced life. It's an unbalanced life. Some of y'all know, and I'm going to raise my hand, since I turned 50, it seemed like I can't stop struggling in the area of health. But how many of y'all know I haven't done everything that I need to do? 
How many of y'all know sometimes I'm zealous about it? Can't get me off the elliptical? And sometimes it's something hanging on the elliptical because I ain't been on it in weeks. How many of y'all know I'm just going to tell the truth about me? Right? Physical health. Out of balance and I'm overinflating my spiritual health. I ain't going a day without feeding my soul. But for so long, we have thought that we were fully pleasing God because we read the Bible every day. What good is that to God? I'm going to ask you the question. What good is it to God if you have $3 million in the bank and you're too stingy to give any of it away? you out of balance. you out of balance. What good is that to God? We're supposed to be as agents of the kingdom of heaven, joined lock and lock with Jesus Christ in the ministry of reconciliation, and we locked up in our house because we don't exercise, and so now our knees and our back hurt, and we can't go out and do nothing, but we full of the word. We full of the word. But we can't get up and go visit the sick because we sick. We can't go to the nursing home because my feet hurt. So now you got some old lady, her family all gone. And she can't get some socks from you because your back hurt. I'm just being honest with you. Who's going to give her the socks? Jesus not going to leave heaven and come give her the socks. He needs you to give her the socks. And some of us want to preach word to people when we won't even give them a hand. They're hungry. And we're too stingy or lazy to feed them a meal, but we want to preach the gospel. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> you unbalanced. I came to tell you this morning, I don't care how much you love Jesus. I love him too. But we unbalanced. We're unbalanced. We're overinflated in the spiritual area. I'm going to ask this question. If you, sitting on your pew, doing a self-evaluation of your life, and you can honestly stick your hand up and say, my spiritual life in order, my physical health is in order, my emotional health is in order, my relational health is in order, and my financial health is in order. Let me see your hands. I'm going to put mine down. I was just demonstrating. <laughs> we got work to do. And guess what? The good news is the Lord gave us a lifetime to get it right. But here is what you cannot do. You cannot ignore the need. Not if you're going to please him. You cannot ignore the need and you cannot quit. Some of us get overwhelmed because the, we think the goal is perfection. The goal is progress. So when we come back here next year and you still overinflating one time, your car still lopsided, then we need to have a conversation. Because now today we can say we didn't know. But next year, we're going to have to say, we didn't do. I knew. I was in the service when the Lord sent the word. I just walked away and did what I wanted to do. So, yeah, I'm still in debt. And no, if the church asked me to give $10,000, I still can't do it. Right? We will have to say that. I still have to say, yeah, I'm still hanging stuff on my elliptical. I'm still overeating. I overate yesterday. Boy, when you're in the middle of it, it feels so good. <laughs> you be like, ooh wee <laughs> I just the other day declared myself a food addict. We say some cute stuff about food, right? I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie. And that's so cute. You addicted. You a glutton. 
We need to say what the Lord say about this stuff. I'm a foodie. And some of us, y'all not going to believe this, but some people miss out on paying bills because they're a foodie. They're not smoking crack. They're not, uh, they're eating. They're eating. People, some people don't have the things that they really desire because they're eating. And $30 by $30 just gone, your dream. You just selling it off, $30 by $30. I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie. Then when it's time to whatever it is that you want to do, what's, what's a dream that y'all have out here? Then when it comes to building the building, the building, <laughs> we've been talking about that building at least since 1997. I'm not making that up, because that's when I came back to Faith Temple. Since 1997, we've been talking about that building, and y'all been selling that building out pizza by pizza, hamburger by hamburger. Think about how many times you done stopped at Texas Roadhouse since 1997. How many times you done ate out since 1997. How many times your stomach been hurt since 1997. And the building still. And y'all still talking about I got to give a, what is it? A harvest? A harvest gift. A heave offering. A heave offering. 1997, you done ate the building up 10 times. Because <laughs> you a foodie. The other day I told myself I was an addict. Because one piece of cake can send me on a week-long <laughs> hunt for other sugar. Brittany came to visit me last weekend. I said, Lord, I'd be glad when she gone. Glad when she gone. Brittany come to town to find restaurants I didn't even know existed. And we sit there and we eat and have a good time. Laughing, eating, eating and laughing. Need one more meal before we go to bed. And one as soon as we get up in the morning. <laughs> The guests make sure our digestive system still working. Me and her could have bought the building ourselves since 1997. <laughs> Y'all stop eating the building up. <laughs> if you eat out more than once a week, save one of the eat out and give it extra to the church. Stop eating up the building. That's 97, 2000, that's 20 years. 20 years of eating out. If you would have just gave one meal a week for 20 years, just one meal a week, the building. The building would be there. But we're out of balance. And some of y'all said in your mind, I ain't giving up my one meal a week. <laughs> and if I do, I ain't bringing it to the church. Now you didn't, you didn't, you didn't say that sentence. But when you decided the sacrifice was too big, that's what you said. I just ask you. You don't have to. I ask you to give up one meal a week, and not to substitute it for your tithes and your offering. And not to substitute it for your heave offering, but to give it extra. I just ask you to do that. And some of y'all not going to do that. And you don't have to. That's the beauty about God. He ain't going to love you no more, no less. Right? But in 2027, don't talk to me about the building. Because if you're not willing to give up, get used to this building. Be happy and content with this building. Give up the meal. Let's get the building. Let's get her done. Let's, let's be healthy and put the building up there. And move on to the next conversation. We got property all around here. We need to put stuff on this property. But we stuck right here. We stuck right here. Do you really think 
that God allowed Faith Temple to acquire basically this whole block so we could look at it? He's not a wasteful God, but he can't move us across the street because we stuck right here for 20, let this sink in, for 20 years. And some of y'all were here when I got back here. So I can't testify to what was happening before 1997. I'm going to have to let you testify that. But I know we've been talking about this building for 20 years. It's time to do it. And we're the ones that's here. So it's got to be done with us. So I'm going to ask you again. If you eat out more than twice a week, are you willing to give up one of them? And go home and eat some cereal. Fast. How about that? It's a time to fast. It's a time to fast. So when you give up that meal, just fast. Balance life. Amen. Who has Proverbs 17 and 22? April. And I'm going to finish up. This talks about emotional health. Lord have mercy. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. A merry heart. This emotional hell. I want you to check your own self. Because I know we're not healthy. You know how I know? If I, at the church, just went on a tear and started talking crazy, talking about your mama, whatever it is that gets you upset, your weight, your hair, whatever it is, and you have to get defensive and start talking about my mama and my hell and my way, you sick. Why you can't just let me be where I am without you responding in kind? Because if you were emotionally healthy, you could let me just be where I was. And say, you know what, that sister needs prayer. And you ain't got to say that out loud. Because some of y'all say that kind of stuff out loud because you know it's going to rile me up even. I'm going to pray for you. Pray for yourself. (laughs) But it's okay. And in the black community, if somebody says I'm struggling emotionally, we start talking about they weak. That's weak. That's weak. Pull yourself. Get, Get strength. You don't been crying about that too long. <laughs> but check yourself against the word. Is your heart merry? If your heart is merry, then you do merry things. If your heart is merry, you don't have to respond to every insult and every offense. It's only when your heart is sick and your spirit is broken that you have to respond in kind. Let some stuff fly sometimes. A soft answer turneth away wrath. So if somebody comes to you in a wrathful state, and I'm going to tell you this for the passive aggressive amongst us that gets silent. That's passive aggression. Okay, I'm going to help you this morning. The word says a soft answer, not a hard silence. See, we think we're being saved because we're silent. But the word says a soft answer. The balance is in the soft answer. The extreme is getting mad and silent. The extreme is fighting back and talking crazy too. The balance is to find a soft answer in a wrathful situation. It takes emotionally healthy people to do that. All right, Romans 13 and 8. Who has Romans 13 and 8? Romans 13 and 8. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Amen. Now, sometimes people read this scripture to talk about debt. Oh, no man. That's a good thing. But this scripture is talking about what you do owe. 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 
for the body of Christ, love is not optional. It is what you owe, right? That's a relational scripture. How are your relationships with your children and your siblings and your parents and your neighbors? You cannot be a healthy person without healthy relationships. God didn't create us to be an island pulling myself up by my own bootstrap. That's the biggest lie ever told. I'm going to pull one strap. I'm in the point now, I'm going to ask you to help me tie it up and give me some new ones. Pull the other side. Right? We should all, we, in fact, we have always been there. Some of us have not always acknowledged that it was somebody helping us. And so we tell ourselves lies like I was pulling myself up by my own bootstrap. Well, who gave you the boots? Who gave you the straps? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Who gave you life? And then who gave you the strength? So even if your hands were the only ones actually on the bootstrap, you have to ask yourself everything that preceded the bootstrap. And how did I get to the bootstrap? And then you have to acknowledge that somebody has been helping me all along. And so then it is my responsibility. That's why we owe. Because somebody loved us when we were unlovable. Somebody helped us when we couldn't help ourselves. Somebody helped, whether, whether we were strung out or whether we were ego tripping or whatever it is, we all needed help at some point. And somebody helped us when we couldn't see ourselves. Somebody was loving us. Right? And so then you have the nerve to think that you don't have to love somebody else when they can't see themselves. You owe. Love is what you owe for having been the recipient of God's perfect love and the love from the rest of us. You owe love. That's the only thing that you owe, the word of God says. But some of us won't even accept that we owe. Some of us think that people are too crazy. And to whatever, fill in the blank, for us to love them. So we use cute stuff like, I got to separate myself for a time. I got to put boundaries around this. I'm talking about me. Because you're offensive to me. The <laughs> we got to get some strength. We got to understand what love is. Love gives without expecting anything in return. The problem is we don't really understand love. We want to receive from the same garden that we put the seed in. <laughs> you might not ever love me back, but here's what I come to know. Somebody going to love me. But because we have the expectation of love coming from a certain place, we get caught up thinking don't nobody love us. Because the people I thought would love me didn't. And so I totally ignored that Sister Leona been trying to love on me the whole time. Because here's what I know about God. He's not going to leave you in this world without somebody who is crazy about you. Somebody is crazy about you. With your crazy acting self, somebody is crazy about you. So some crazy acting person needs to know that somebody is crazy about me too. And if we who owe it, if we who owe it refuse to pay it, who's going to love the unlovable? The word is to us. It's not to the world. The world doesn't owe. We owe. And if we don't pay, who's going to pay? How is God going to love the world through us if we refuse to let him love the world through us because we refuse to be emotionally healthy and deal with our issues? All right, I'm moving on from that because I'm just going to let you deal with yourself. Financial health, oh my God. Who has Proverbs 22 and 7? Sister And Deuteronomy 28 and 12. Mary and Leona. 
Proverbs 22 and 7, the rich ruler over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. Did y'all hear that? The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. When somebody rule over you, you can't tell them how to rule you. And some of y'all mad right now. I see y'all on Facebook. The rich getting richer. Donald Trump done gave the tax break to the 1%. <laughs> Ain't gave the rest of us nothing because you don't want to be ruled. But you ain't got nothing yourself, so the last thing you want to do is to get a 1% more money and more power. So now you want somebody to come rescue you. Stop using their money. How about that? But you can't stop with your stuff. You want your stuff. Even if I got to put it on their credit card, you know you don't have no credit card. Who you think on the credit card? The 1%. But you mad because Donald Trump gave them tax break and you giving them more interest than he could ever give them in a tax break. But you ain't mad at yourself because you want your J's. They ruling over you. I'm a slave to the lender. It's called 524. Real dry in Irving, Texas. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. Wells Fargo reaches into my bank account and take their mortgage because I'm a slave to the lender. And I tell anybody, I got a house and I'm grateful, but I hate being a homeowner because I'm a slave to the lender. And some of y'all won't say that to yourself. But I'm a slave because I wanted clothes that I couldn't afford. I'm a slave because I got a car that I shouldn't be driving. I'm a slave. It's some people. Because we, and don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, the Bible does not forbid getting debt. So I don't want you to think you're sending, sinning, but you are a slave, okay? You a saved slave. You're going to heaven, but you a slave. You think you're not? Let me close my bank account so Wells Fargo can't take my money. I'm going to show you how much of a slave I am because I'm going to be calling some of y'all and say, I ain't got nowhere to stay. <laughs> They foreclosed on my house, put a lock on it, my key don't work no more. <laughs> I tell anybody, think three times, four, maybe five, and have a couple conversations before you go sign your name on a mortgage. Because that is the biggest scam. Because let me tell you what it boils down to in my mind. Because y'all know I tell you I'm simple. It boils down to Wells Fargo for me. Building a piece of property that they wanted, because that house wasn't in my mind, convincing me that I needed it, and letting them own it till I finished paying for it. And in my case, I signed a 30-year agreement. Okay, I do that, Wells Fargo. <laughs> I'll take care of your water heater. I'll take care of your foundation. I'll take care of your carpet. I'll take care of your walls. I'll take care of your back porch, your garage. I'll take care of the garage door. I'll take care of the roof. I'll do all that. And then in 30 years, I, if it's worth something, you'll let me have you. Thank you, Wells Fargo. And then I had a nerd to tell people I got a house. I'm paying for Wells Fargo house. And y'all welcome to visit anytime. And then people holler, talk about people in an apartment. 
They ain't never, they don't own it. Well, you don't either. <laughs> At least they had a sense enough to make the property owner fix their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In my situation, the property owner got me fixing their stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm better off. We got to tell the truth to ourselves. But we can get so caught up because the word untold us, home ownership is the thing to do. Oh, let me go. I mean, got people know they can't maintain nothing. Trying to go rent Wells Fargo property for 30 years. And then, here's the other thing. Cause I let my fin- I'm just, you know, I'm me. I'm open. I'm open to tell you the truth. I let my financial advisor talk me into this. Cause I was just as happy in my apartment. <laughs> I was happy. I ain't gotta fix nothing. I can call when I want to. Walk out on my. I had a balcony and it was a river that ran down through. Walk out on my balcony. Sit there with my mom and have coffee. We done done it, didn't we? I ain't even got no balcony. I ain't got no river that runs through it. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> because the man told me, you throwing away money. You need to be building equity. Here's the problem with that assumption. I don't control my number of days. So if I don't make it to the end, <laughs> I just lost my river and my balcony. I ain't got no equity. I ain't got no balcony drink coffee on no more. So I got to make it to the end. And then, okay, well, Vicky, you can sell it, and then you can make a profit. Only if you sell it when the market's strong. Right? It's a whole lot of people with a whole lot of mortgages out there, and the house ain't worth what the mortgage is. It's a, for me, I ain't talking about the rest of y'all. Y'all can go buy what you want to buy. I'm telling you, I go up my stairs and say, Lord, have mercy. Paying Wells Fargo again. I got to call the steamers out to clean Wells Fargo carpet. Just fix Wells Fargo water heater. That's how I talk to myself. <laughs> so if y'all think somebody else going to get me to sign a mortgage, <laughs> I'm trying to time it too. Do I sell now before Donald Trump crashes the economy? <laughs> He's out of conversation. I ain't never had to have before when I was looking at that river. I ain't had to have this conversation. So if you think you're not a slave, <laughs> I want y'all to think about what I just said. Amen? Deuteronomy 28 and 12. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasures, the heavens to give thee rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the works of thine hands. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Amen. We forgot about that scripture. You're the one supposed to be lending. Because you are saved and regenerated, the Lord know what you know how to do alone. He know you're not going to put no 22 inches on a loan, 22 inches right on a loan. He know that. But because we haven't understood that we're supposed to be the lenders and not the borrowers, that's the word. We're not lending anything. We're borrowing everything. You got to work on your financial health. And for everybody that was willing to read a scripture, the rest of y'all not going to get it because I have been talking too long. I like talking to y'all. I like talking to y'all. I like it. Okay, but I'm going to finish this. So in the Bible, health means completeness and wholeness. And if you have not attended fully to these five areas, we have work to do. We have opportunity. I don't want you to leave here and beat up yourself. I want you to see it as opportunity to be better, to be closer to what God created you to be, to be closer to balance, to be closer to wholeness. It is only, I want you to accept this, though, it is only when people are in good physical mental, emotional, social, or relational, and spiritual health that you are whole and that you are complete. 
I need you to accept that. I need you to work on that. Because I believe that God has a higher level of living for all of us. Amen? How many of y'all committed to looking at your own self, not your neighbor? Fixing your own self. Working on your own self. So that we can all achieve wholeness and balance together. Amen? Come on and put your hands together for the word of God. Amen. Again. All right. Amen. Boy, 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 boy. You talking about a good word, and not just a good word, a word that we can go home now. <laughs>